Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, how about that? It's time for another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Larry Rosenthal himself. If you're watching on LarryRosenthal.tv, you can see him in broadcast color here this morning. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Chris, and how are you today? I think I'm going to be all right. I might live through it. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. So, hey, well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. It is, again, Saturday, which means open mic Saturday. No questions barred. Give us a ring with any questions that you may have regarding retirement planning, the stock market, mortgage interest rates, refinancing, Roth conversions, estate planning, whatever's on your mind today, 855-ROSE-123. 855-767-3123. But before we get started here today, you know, I want to just send out our, our, our prayers and thoughts and wishes to everyone who's been affected by this hurricane uh, coming up the East Coast. You know, we just pray that uh, there's recovery very, very soon. And, um, you know, just hopefully the, the nation and the world just pitches in and, and helps, you know, helps a fellow person, you know, to, to, to recover. Lots of devastation there. And it's just a sad, sad thing to see. So, so our hearts and, and prayers and thoughts go out to everyone Amen. who's affected by by the hurricane. So, you know, the market action this past week was pretty interesting. Uh, again, the markets came under pressure as a result of of inflation, and we'll get to that in a moment. But something happened really interesting on on uh, middle of the week this week. When the Bank of England decided not only are they going to continue to raise interest rates to tighten the economy, but at the same time, they're going to start buying bonds over there as a guild, right? And why is that? Why would they, on one hand, continue tightening the economy by raising rates and, at the other hand, try to stimulate the economy by buying the bonds, putting more money into the system? Well, whenever you get in in a, a financially engineered contraction in the economy, 
such as the Fed tightening, okay, or a central bank tightening, in this case, Bank of England. What, what, what's going on here is sooner or later, something's going to break. And what broke here was simply interest rates spiked too high, too quickly, and tremendous amounts of margin calls were being affected on pension funds and individuals because a lot of big, you know, big pension funds and, and a lot of individuals, for that matter, will buy on margin. And when asset prices are, are deflating or coming down and interest rates are spiking, you get margin calls. So the purpose of it basically was to lower interest rates by buying bonds. The price of the bond goes up, therefore the yield or the interest rate goes down. That affected the margin calls. So, so that's what the purpose of it was. They said they're going to continue to do this through October. Uh, but then again, the market turned around the following day and gave gave most of it back that it had had gained as a result of that. So going to be an interesting scenario to watch how that plays out. You know, coming upon our shores here domestically, where does that put us with our rates spiking so much? You know, our rates came down as a result of it, and uh, we have bumped up at f- close to 4% on the 10-year, and we've got the 2-year over 4 for the first time in a long, long time. Inverted yield curve, how is this going to play out? you know, down the road. And there's all kinds of speculation right now as to where the Fed is. First of all, if you take a look at the dollar index, the U.S. dollar is extremely strong on the world stage right now, which is great for our imports, okay? Not so good for our exports, but great for our imports. And we do tend to import a lot. But at the same time, the question has to be asked, is as the dollar has strengthened so much so quickly, That's kind of an indication on where the Fed really is from a tightening perspective. And there's a whole lot of people saying, you know what, they're really tight right now. And other people saying, nope, they're going to continue. So here's the the scenario with with where we are on the Fed tightening. You know, they, they raised 75 basis points last month in September, and they don't meet in October. They're going to meet again the first part of November, then December, January, and February. At some point... They're going to have to say, you know what, we're going, to, we're going to raise but not as much. Or we're going to take a pause and we're not going to raise this month. That's going to be, you know, people will be looking toward what's called the Fed pivot when they stop or when they ease off the, the, the brake pedal a little bit and don't raise as much. So we're not there yet. We're, we're just not there yet. And, and, and an indication of that is yesterday, uh, Friday morning, when the PCE number came out, uh, core uh, personal consumptions and expenditures uh, came out, it was slightly higher. And that's the Fed's m- main uh, metric and what they look at when it comes to inflation uh, measurements. Now, October 13th, uh, week after next, we're going we're gonna to receive the September big-picture CPI number. We'll see how that plays out. And then all this data throughout October, the Fed then will make its decision b- beginning of November. But at some point, we're going we're gonna to hear the Fed say, and we're not too far off from that point, we'll hear them say, we're not going to raise as much or we're going to take a pause. When that is, I don't know, but think, be thinking about it. The next four meetings, at some point, they're going to they're, they're gonna do that. So how does this play out into the number one reason people buy stock, corporate earnings? Well, let's, let's take a 10,000-foot view as to sort of the formula. And the formula on this is, is sort of what we would call MP plus F equals AI. What is that? So uh, monetary policy plus fundamentals equals asset inflation. 
what is asset inflation? Think about this. You bought your house 10 years ago. That asset has appreciated. Your paycheck 10 years ago most likely has appreciated. Your stock portfolio over the last 10 years most likely has appreciated. That's asset appreciation. So monetary policy plus fundamentals. Right now, monetary policy is temporarily being restricted. And then the fundamentals, once that stops, everybody's going to look at the fundamentals. And the fundamentals of the economy are still strong. Wages are strong. The consumer's showing up strong. Corporate earnings are still positive. Yes, they are slowing down as a result of interest rates rising, but they're not geared to go negative or anything like that over the next three-quarter estimates. So the underpinnings of the economy are still strong. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to taking a look at where we are in this, in this uh, you know, in the, in the economy and the business cycle right now. Again, you know, people are talking we're in a recession or we're moving toward a recession. When you back up and take a look at the, the 10 or 12 economic measurements that, that would say, yeah, we're in a recession, you know, there's a handful of them that, that are not showing recessionary, and those are the strongest ones. And, and you know, in, in when you look at unemployment numbers being so low or the employment scenario being strong, that's a good indication that we might not be, quote-unquote, in a recession. Uh, so, so we'll have to see how Enver plays it out, you know, in the coming months uh, with it all. But, but if it is, and, or if we do, it's probably not going to be long-lived or, or deep by any means at all. So, so that's kind of where we are right now. We're just not there yet. We've got another month of economic data coming in. Stay invested. Keep, keep you know, I, I had a fo- uh, conversation with a client this week. He called uh, earlier this week, actually he called yesterday, and he said, you know, we've been putting money in every single month for a long, long time. And I said, yes, I know that. And he said, should we continue to do that? And I asked him, I said, I said, why would you ask the question, should you continue to keep buying at this point? And he said, well, I, I pulled out my, my statements here the last few months, and I noticed that the money that I put in in June lost a little bit. And the money I put in in July lost a little bit. The money that was in in August made a little bit. And the money that went in in September lost a little bit. And I said to him, I said, listen, the, one of the secrets to accumulating wealth is the acquisition of shares. And he was like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, your dollar cost averaging. And everybody across the country who's putting money into your retirement plans right now, your 401Ks, your 403B plans, your, your SEPs, the government TSP, whatever it is, wherever you're putting your money in, your dollar cost averaging. Every pay period, that money is going in. It's buying more shares. So think about this. If you put $100 into your investment back in December of 2022 and you bought 10 shares of that investment, right, and today you put that same $100 in, but now you're buying, let's say, 12 shares of that investment, okay, you're getting more shares. So when the market comes back, that's where you're going to get your exponential compounding growth returns. So now is a vital time. Now is when the smart money understands continue to buy during these dips, okay? Since 1926, the market has always come back to new highs. When is that going to happen? I can't tell you the day. You know, I hope it's next Tuesday, right? Everybody does, but it's probably not going to be. How many Tuesdays, how many months down the road until the market comes to an all-time high? Is the Fed going to continue to tighten forever and ever and ever? No, that's not going to happen. When the Fed finally pauses or stops or slows down, what's the market going to do? 
given the fact that you take a look at where the market is today, the market, you, you've heard the terms of the past that the market is, is overvalued. Oh, yeah, don't buy now. The market's overvalued. Or, hey, it's a great buying opportunity. The market's undervalued. You know? Right now, when you look at the last 25 years of the P.E. ratio, the market is perfectly priced today. So look at the, look at the fundamentals of this. Perfectly priced market, strong consumer, positive corporate earnings, right? Okay, um, very attractive pricing from a PE standpoint, and and at some point this too will slow down and and stop. So my my message to the, to, to the person who called in the other day was simply continue to buy because you're getting more shares with each purchase throughout this year. That's how you're going to acquire more wealth down the road when the markets do finally come back. So continue to do your dollar cost averaging with, without a doubt, continue to do that. So, um, hey, let's go ahead and take a quick break. I've been going on and on about the markets and economy, Chris, but uh, <laughs> too many charts here in front of me. Uh, give us a ring here. It's open mic Saturday. Give us a call <clears throat> with any of your questions, concerns, comments, opinions, whatever it is today on anything economics. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855 855- Seven six seven three one two three. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. I'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's the cdfi.org your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community go to the cdfi.org make a difference go to the cdfi.org and here's another money minute with larry rosenthal so many different ways to invest money lump sum deposits buy and hold market timing How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse dollar cost average out during your retirement years. 
Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, the number is 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio today. That's Larry Rosenthal at 855-767-3123. Larry. Sure, Chris. Let's welcome Valsu on the line. Good morning, Valsu. How are you today? Uh, my question is about the diversified bond fund. Uh, I have uh, invested some in my 401k on this fund, and I thought it the, with the interest rate, uh, the fund should not be losing much, but uh, there is a negative return. Uh, and I see the U.S. bond index fund, which is also doing not, uh, not well. Uh, but there is another one I see in, that I can invest in, the global balance, in the global balance, Stocks and bonds, uh, which is um, a real estate index fund, which seems to be a positive return. So, do you advise um, investing some in that real estate index fund or moving um, my investment in the diversified bonds fund uh, to the real estate index fund? So Valsu, here, here's this is a great question, and and let me explain to you what's going on, and then then I'll give you my my answer to your ultimate question. Okay, first of all, there there's two sides to the bond street. We have to understand that the first side is called the interest rate sensitive side, and the second side of this bond street is called the credit side, okay? And when interest rates go up, as they are right now, bonds that are subject to interest rate sensitivity, they go down in value, okay? And that's what we're experiencing now. So as interest rates rise, certain types of bonds, government bonds, corporate bonds, they will drop in value as you're experiencing right now. And the typical intermediate bond fund these days are, are, are down double digits right now. And, and that's as a result of interest rates simply rising as fast as they have over the last few months. On the other side, there are bonds that do better when interest rates are rising. Okay, And that's kind of where if you need a bond allocation, those are called credit-sensitive bonds. Those types of bonds tend to perform a little bit better. Now, they're down a little this year, but not nearly as much as the other types of bonds. So that's what's going on. So, so when you're investing in bonds, you want to take a look at what's going on with monetary policy, with, with interest rates, basically. If interest rates are spiking for whatever reason, the Fed might not even be doing it, but for whatever reason interest rates are going up, you want to be careful with the, the, the length or the duration of the interest rate-sensitive bonds you have. So that's the first thing is let's take a look to see what types of bond offerings are inside your entire retirement plan uh, from that standpoint. Then the second question you asked was, you know, should you move money out of those bonds and into another asset class, into a different place? And I'll tell you this, 
from time to time, yeah, you do want to move investments, <clears throat> but I don't know if it's necessarily correct for you at this particular point without understanding your entire situation. You know, I'd, I'd want to take a look at all of your investment choices that are inside your retirement plan. I'd also want to take a look at all your investments that are outside and make sure we have sort of a, a cohesive balance approach to all of the different investments out there. Does that make sense? So so what I, what I can offer you from this standpoint is I can put you on hold and Bob will get some simple contact information from you. We can have one of our advisors reach out to you next week and then break it all down for you. It's a lot easier to do it that way than me just tell you yes or no over the radio because I don't know what type of real estate fund it's in. I don't know what it's buying. I don't know how much money you have in your bond fund that's down versus your stocks and things like that. So would that be okay for you? Real estate, the fund says real, it's a global balance, stocks and bonds. Well, from a global standpoint, you know, the the U.S. is doing the best with the economy right now, and I don't know where it is globally. You know, globally means that it does have money in the U.S. and money abroad. International, there is no money in the U.S. It's all abroad, okay? So, I, you know, I, I, I want to say we need to take a look at all of your investment choices before we just tell you yes go ahead and do something like that so I'll go ahead and I'll place you on hold here and Bob will get your information if you like we'll have someone give you a ring and and drill down into it for you okay yeah I, um, I have another question my 401k is actually um, a in with Vanguard uh, and it is Actually, I am managing it right now. Um, it's an employer-contributed one. Uh, so oh, whoever I am talking to, oh, will they be able to help me with it? Yes, they will. We'll, we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to take a look at the entire scenario for you if, you, if you like, okay? Okay. Yep, let me put you on hold, and Bob will get your contact information. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. It's open mic Saturday. Give us a call with any of your questions at all. Let's welcome Eugene on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Eugene. How are you? Pretty good. Didn't rain too hard here last night. Well, that's uh, a good thing, right? you dealing with umbrella insurance. Let's mm -hmm. get, uh, just round things off. Um, each of us have a million dollars in IRAs, roughly split equally. Most of our other assets are jointly held. So the question comes in, I've, I've heard contradictory things. I've heard one person says, well, if you have, get, let's say, three, $3 million dollars $3 million of umbrella coverage, if you get sued, they're just going to go right for the $3 because it's easy, and that's about the end of it. And uh, other people are saying, well, if th they can't go after things that are jointly held. I know you're not a lawyer, but what's your take on that? Well, let's talk about jointly held, first of all, from a, from a titling standpoint. Eugene, if you put $100 into a bank account and I put $100 in the same bank account and it was jointly owned between both of us, how much money can you go down to the bank on Monday and withdraw? Depends on how it's titled. If it's titled joint. Oh, okay. I guess you can pull it all out. That's exactly right. So if, you're at, if your name is on an asset, whether it's a bank account, a car, a home, a beach house, whatever it may be, 
that asset, even though it's titled with someone else, can be attached. Okay? But all of, all of the amount or just your 50%? It depends. Well, it depends how it's titled. If it's tenants in entirety, if it's tenants in common, if it's joint tenants with rights of survivorship, that's where your lawyer versus their lawyer comes into play. Okay? But, but the, the bigger question is this. Let me pose the question to you differently. Because I understand, I'm pretty sure I understand what you're talking about. You're trying to figure out what liabilities you may have. And, and, some, and, and you know, you see a lot of people talking about saving money on this insurance and that insurance and things like that. <clears throat> and the question becomes this from a financial planning standpoint, from an estate conservation standpoint, from the standpoint of you and your wife have worked long and hard all of your life and you've, cre and you've saved these assets, right? So do you want to have insurance or do you want to be properly insured? That's the question. And when you take a look at buying an umbrella policy, it's probably several hundred dollars a year. And if you divide the several hundred dollars a year, if you divide $1,000 a year for an umbrella policy, for a $3 million umbrella policy that will cover the assets you've saved because of a mistake of a lawsuit or an accident in a car or something like that, it's like 0 .003 of 1% of what, oh, what, what, you're, what you're spending. So the, the question again becomes, do you want insurance or do you want to be adequately insured? And the amount of money that you're, that you're spending on an umbrella policy to insure your entire estate is, is a rounding error, basically, when you look at it. So that's my opinion on it, okay? Now, um, in the case of the car, we only have one car. <clears throat> I can't drive because I've lost some of my eyesight. I can't drive anymore. Mm -hmm. The car is titled in her name only. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking... All way kind of ways you get sued. The, the, the most probable would be a, a, an auto accident. That's her fault. Mm -hmm. um, who do they come after then? Just her? Yeah, they would come after the the uh, the, car the car and and where the car is insured, and then they could sue her, um, and then the umbrella policy would come into play. Because she's attached to maybe the house jointly or, or other investments or whatever it may be. You know, you get down all these different roads and paths and things like that. It still comes back to looking at the value, the, the peace of mind, really, of several hundred bucks a year to buy the umbrella policy. Yeah. All right. See where you're coming from. Thank you. I appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You know, last week we talked a little bit about the, the SECURE Act, the leaving beneficiaries uh, money from IRAs, okay? Got lots of phone calls on it, lots of inquiries, and, and this rule is deep, okay? It's, it's deep, and, and we discussed last week that <clears throat> um, – if you leave assets to a non-spousal beneficiary who's greater than 10 years older than younger than you, excuse me, who's greater than 10 years younger than you, then you don't have then then that person d 
allow, is allowed to keep the money in the account for 10 years and then they have to distribute it at the end of 10 years. Unless, now the IRS has come out and they've said, well, wait a minute here, we interpret that rule differently. We interpret it that if the original deceased owner was already 72 or older taking taking a requirement distribution plan or, or taking uh, required minimum distributions, then you as the beneficiary have to continue to do that. So there's been some stuff in the press that the IRS is going to be coming out with some clarifying rules on how they view that, okay? Uh, so it's, it's one way or the other. There are some people saying you don't have to. Some people are saying be cautious and take the distribution if you need to. But anyway, I want to roll the conversation forward. I want to advance the conversation forward this week on the SECURE Act because people are starting to pop up all around the country going, well, what are these rules, these new rules, and how do they work? What happens in a scenario where you as the IRA owner pass and you leave the money to a minor child? Right. Let's suppose you pass and you leave the money to a 10-year-old child. Does that 10-year-old child have to start taking required minimum distributions? Does that 10-year-old child have to start pulling money out over the 10-year rule? What's the answer? Well, it depends if that child is yours or not. If you leave the money to your child, then your child gets the gets the gets the account and doesn't have to take one dime out until they're 18 or 21, depending on the state that they're in, based off of the, the state of majority uh, rule. It's either 18 or, or 21. So in this case, let's just use 18 as a simple example. So suppose you leave your child as a minor IRA money and you pass away and that child's 10 years old. That child can then have that money grow for 10 years and then that, I'm sorry, for eight years until they're 18, and then that clock of the 10-year distribution starts at that particular point in time. Now, what's written into this law is if you leave money to a minor child other than your direct child, so if you leave money to a grandchild at who's 10 years old, they don't get that exception. They have to start taking the distribution at that particular point in time. So as you carve through the beneficiary forms of your IRAs and you say, well, I want to leave this to this person and that to that person, there's some thought that needs to be put into this. First of all, are you 72 or older now? That changes distribution rules. Are you under 72? That's a different set of distribution rules. Are you leaving money to an eligible designated beneficiary, uh, a, a, a dependent uh, adult with special needs, a spouse, someone who's less than 10 years uh, older than you or younger than you? Um, where's the money going to? So you have to really understand these rules on how they cascade down so that people can take advantage of the best tax scenario for your heirs uh, when they receive these dollars. What if you were to leave money to a trust for a minor child? What if you were to put the money into an UGMA account, Uniform Gift to Minors Act? 
Uh, what if you were to put the money into a 529 plan where those dollars then grow tax-deferred and come out tax-free for college funding? So there's a lot of little rabbit trails to go down with the SECURE Act, and people all across the country are really coming up on it and saying, you know, hey, what's what's happening and where are things and, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, th- these, these are important, and uh, stay tuned. We're going to be coming up with some uh, uh, webinars here on the SECURE Act as well as some economic updates and things in the, in the, in the middle of October. So stay tuned on that because it's really important that you, you know, just like the last caller talking about uh, umbrella liability policy. You know, hey, look, I've, I've cr- we've, we've saved this money in our estate. We've got this, this certain amount of wealth. Same scenario with beneficiary forms. You've created these dollars. You want to you pass them on to your heirs and or charities in the most tax-efficient manner. And a lot of that starts with the beneficiary form. It depends how old you are, when you don't need the money anymore, when you're in heaven, and who the dollars are ultimately going to. So uh, it's, it's important to really do that. And we really encourage you to take a look at your beneficiary forms at least once a year, every 18 months or so, to make sure... Well, things are where you want them to be, okay? Sometimes forms get lost at different institutions. Sometimes families change, marriages, adoptions, births, whatever it may be. So, hey, give us a ring this morning at 855-ROSE-123. We're going to keep the phone lines open. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's the cdfi.org your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community go to the cdfi.org make a difference go to the cdfi.org and here's another money minute with larry rosenthal we've all heard the more risk you get the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments however Can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives.
Call right now with your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, who's here in studio with us without his camera turned on. Hey, Larry. Oops. (laughs) Got to turn it on, didn't I? <laughs> I got to bust your chops once in a while, you know, just for fun. Well, you know what happens when you give me controls, right? <laughs> he won't give me control of the whole board, just my little camera. Yeah, and then I mess stuff up like volume this, thing sometimes here like and this there. This morning, but, you know. I forgot to turn the audio on YouTube and got a lot of people going, "Hey, what's going on?" That's so, fine. Hey, let's welcome Ray on the line from Live Virginia. Radio. Good morning, Ray. How are you today? Ray, you with us? I guess he got tired of waiting there during the break. I don't break. think he's there. Ray? No, he's, he's not. He's gone. All right. Well, uh, maybe he'll give us a ring back. So, <laughs> hey, you know, so, so again, we're talking about a lot of different things today. It's Open Mic Saturday. Give us a call at, at, with any of your financial planning or investment questions, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. So, you know, we, 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 I'm, I'm just going right down the news, basically, of the things that I'm seeing week in and week out. And, and, you know, and I see some articles on you should do this and you should do that and all these kind of things. And, and uh, sometimes the articles leave out some information. And I understand that there's only so many words in an article you can get, right? But I'm going to try to deliver all the information. And, and this past week I was working with some clients and we were talking about Roth conversions because it's a great opportunity right now. And this is, this is many, many conversations week in and week out nowadays. You know, it's a great time to do Roth conversions. And, and let, let me sort of give you the understanding as to why, but also how, okay? Because the how is bigger than the why. And so right now, if you take a look at maybe some of your growth stocks, they're down, you know, 20 30%, depending on what they're in. So if you convert those shares, you don't sell it, and buy new, you convert those specific shares and slide those shares over to your Roth IRA. So basically you're converting a less dollar amount, but you still own the same shares so that when the markets do come back, you get that tax-free growth of those dollars. I mean, it's brilliant. It's a great opportunity to do this. But let me give you the caveat on this. And I have said this for years. I've said this ever since Roth IRAs came out in the late 90s, I've been saying this. Everyone who has an IRA, a traditional IRA, you need to sit down and take a look at the pros and the cons for you on whether or not you should convert to a Roth, convert a part of it or all of it to the Roth. Because not all Roth conversions are the same, right? You know, don't forget you've got ordering rules, you've got the pro rata rule, you've got the opposite side of the investment, right? So let's take a look at the ordering rules. The main reason people will convert from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is simply because you're you're looking to get tax-free money for yourself down the road later in retirement, or you want to pass assets on to your heirs in a tax-free manner, right? So so those are the two main reasons. I'm going to come back to that after we uh, pick up this phone call here. Let's welcome Phyllis on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Phyllis. How are you today? Good morning. Pretty well. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you? Yes. Uh, the step-up in basis, did they do away with that? 
No, they did not. They were talking about doing away with it in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the uh, first go around of uh, President Biden's um, uh, Build Back Better plan, but it did not get it did not get put in there at all, not at all. Okay, so that's still good. That is still good. Yes, it is a very good thing that that's still there. Definitely. Right. Okay. Okay. And Thank you so much. You're you're welcome. No no problem at all. And uh, let me let me go ahead and take a moment and explain the stepped up basis. I was actually explaining this to somebody, and, and this this will fit right into the Roth conversion conversation. So so l- let's just put it all together. So remember the two main reasons that people will convert traditional IRA money over to Roth IRA money is because they want to get tax-free money for themselves later in life. But remember, on each year's conversion, there's a five-year period of time before you can pull out the earnings of that money tax-free. It's the earnings issue that they're looking for tax-free, okay? So so if you're 70 now and you convert $40,000 you've got to wait five years before you pull the interest earnings out of that $40,000, okay? So there's five years of period of time when you're looking uh, to convert. You also have a tax computation to do. It's called the pro rata rule. So it's, it's, it's pretty simple, but it's you're going to divide the amount of money into your all of your IRAs based off of what you convert, and that will let you know on that conversion, what percent of that money is tax-free for you on the on the on the IRA on the Roth IRA money that's moving over? So you have to do that. But but here's something also that you, that a lot of people overlook, and this will go. We can tie this in with the with the last caller that we just had on stepped up basis. So <clears throat> let's suppose that you're we're going to do simple math, and you're going to convert a hundred thousand dollars in this scenario. And let's just suppose that that all in, you're in a exactly 20% tax bracket, okay? So you got to pay 20% taxes on this with your deductions in the state and all this kind of stuff, just to do math easy, right? So that means we got to send Uncle Sam a $20,000 check in order to convert $100,000, right? Well, a lot of people will make the mistake and say, well, I'll just invest. 80,000 into the Roth and I'll take the 20,000 out of the IRA and and save it. I'm sorry, spend it on the taxes. That's a mistake because now your break even point is even further down the road. Okay? So you want to take the money from an from a position that doesn't have the pro- probability to grow, like maybe a checking account, savings account, things like that or grow as much as the market's long term. But here's the other side of the equation that a lot of people forget to look at. If you're saying, I'm going to convert $100,000 into my Roth IRA, I've got to spend $20,000 in taxes. Well, what happens if you decide not to convert and just simply invest that $20,000? Now, you have $120,000 growing for you. You have $100,000 in the IRA that will be taxable, but you also have a brand new, you've introduced a brand new pile of $20,000 that's going to grow in a non-IRA account. So suppose that I, suppose that money grows, let's say that $20,000 grows to $30,000 and you pass away. Your heirs get what's called a stepped-up basis, just like what the caller asked. In other words, you're, if, if, if it was a joint account between you and your heirs, uh, that $20,000 and you passed away, then the heirs would have to pay capital gains tax on that growth of $10,000. 
But since we have the stepped-up basis for a non-IRA account, the heirs or the beneficiary to that account, they receive that $30,000 based off the day of your death, and you don't have to pay, they don't have to pay a dime in taxes if they cash it out the next day. That's a stepped-up basis. So when you look at doing the Roth conversion formula, you always have to consider yourself, well, what happens if I don't convert and I just invest the money? So it depends on your age now. It depends on how old you are as to whether or not you should convert based off of those two scenarios right there. And the second reason people convert is because they just say, you know what, I'm willing to pay the tax today so that my heirs can get tax-free money down the road at some point. Okay, And that's what the deal is as far as all that goes. Now, now uh, uh, again, here's the Larry rule on Roth conversions. If you own a, a retirement plan, if you own an IRA, a pre-tax IRA, it will behoove you to sit down and take a look at the pros and cons, the merits of you and your family converting. Not necessarily what the, your neighbors are doing or your uncle, but you. What's your tax scenario? What's your liquidity? What's your time frame before you want the dollars back? What would be the purpose of it? And then look at the opportunity cost of investing the tax dollars instead of sending them down the road to Uncle Sam. So that's the formula. And we have clients that, that do this a lot, and we, they all carry their own private little spreadsheet year after year, keeping track of all these little conversions, okay? And there's people out there, and they, they do not – you've got to look at all these rules and all these different scenarios there as far as the Roth conversions goes. It's, it's a longer conversation than what a lot of people think as far as that goes. But it's a great opportunity to get money from the taxable side of distribution over to the tax-free side of distribution for you or your family. So uh, give some thought to that as, as far as that goes. And, and by the way, for people that are starting off in the workforce, your income is lower I'd suggest really strongly taking a look at putting all your 401k money onto the Roth side. As you grow in your careers and your income gets higher, then you want to start taking a look at putting some of it on the pre-tax side. You want to be able to have a balanced mixture in your retirement years, some pre-tax, some Roth uh, for, for distributions as well. So, hey, give us a ring here. We'll keep the phone lines open. It's open mic Saturday. Give us a call at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. 
On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Seen and heard him on Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is that number to call. Again, 855-ROSE-123. Larry. Sure. So what are we going to talk about next, Chris, right? <laughs> okay. What are we going to talk about? Yeah, I know. Safeties, guarantees, the whole nine yards, right? Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> yep, yep. So so when you when you take a look at all the different investment products out there, there's some that are very simple. A bank account, pretty simple, right? You know, you want to put money in, pull money out, get an interest rate, pretty simple. <clears throat> buy a stock, buy the stock, it goes up and down. Eventually you sell it. You know, maybe a tax, maybe not, whatever the case may be. But let's talk about uh, a, a product that that really does well in the right situation, and that is an annuity. Now, I know that I just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way by saying it just <laughs> like that, okay? But understand this. There are advisors out there who only put clients into annuities. There are advisors out there who would never put a client into an annuity. And then there's advisors out there who have some clients in annuities and some not. And it just depends on the scenario. What's the value of an annuity? What's the purpose of an annuity? Why would somebody want one and why would somebody not want one, right? So let's break it down. There are three types of, of annuities. There's a fixed annuity, there's an indexed type of an annuity, and then there is a, a variable type of an annuity. And today's annuities have different types of benefits on them. <clears throat> One of the most popular benefits is something called a living income rider, a living income benefit. And that protects your bucket of money for future income disbursements, whether the market's high, the same, or lower. I'll get back to that in just a moment here, but I want to keep these calls coming in because it is open mic Saturday. Let's welcome Gary on the line from Michigan. Good morning, Gary. How are you today? Good morning, and thank you very much. Uh, we're on the road headed down to uh, the Fort Myer area to do some recovery work for the hurricanes. Well, I appreciate uh, your service. Thank you very much. God bless you. You bet. You bet. And it's just what we do because we're 65 and 67, and uh, we had a, about a quarter of a million dollars in the market, a um, little more than that. Uh, at about 55, 45, uh, 55 on the stock side, 45, so it fluctuates. And uh, we've lost a considerable amount of money in the last few months. And, uh, you know, uh, 50 or $60,000 is a lot of money to anybody. I'm trying to decide how to recover from that. Uh, we don't need the money right away, but I'm not feeling like my father told me that the long-term run in that market going to serve me well going uh, close to seven. Do you have any recommendations on how to hold steady on that? Yes, I do. First of all, let's, let's, let's back up, Gary, and then understand what, what's happened here in a very quick order, very short order with the Fed, okay? 
they're, they're engineering an economic slowdown, and we're about probably two-thirds of the way through it. Now, that doesn't mean the market's going to continue to drop more, okay? But it, but it looks like we're scraping along the bottom right here. At some point, whether it's the November, the December, the January, or the February meeting, the Fed is going to say we're not going to raise as much anymore or we're going to pause temporarily and see where we are from an inflation uh, you know, standpoint. And at that point, the markets are going to celebrate this, okay? So, so – one thing that, that we have to understand is what's inside your account to begin with. That's probably going to come back because, you know, if you think about it, all the boats in the harbor, you know, when the tide goes out, they all go lower. When the tide comes in, they all come back up. But more importantly, going forward, once we do see a market recovery, and again, we're not that far off from those scenarios happening. I just can't tell you when or how much, right? But it's a cycle that we're going through, and we're almost toward the end of it now. But, but after we get somewhat of a market reprieve, a nice recovery at some point, then we're going to be faced with a different type of an economy. So the, the investments that you had two years ago, even last year, may need to be rebalanced. But I don't necessarily think you should do that now. I want you to get a recovery first. But then going forward, we're going to be in an economy that's going to have positive but slower growth with a stubborn level of inflation. In other words, we're still the Fed cannot fix supply chains, the Fed cannot fix domestic energy policy, but the Fed can can create demand destruction, which they've done. They've scared everybody enough, they've raised rates enough, mortgage you know, housing prices are coming down, people are slowing down purchasing of cars, so they're trying to get things back to to equilibrium as far as that goes. And, and, you know, at, at that particular point going forward, we're probably going to see inflation track down in 2023, 2024, but, but it might not get to that targeted, desired Goldilocks level of 2% because of supply chains and domestic energy policy. It may stay stubborn at 35 or 4.5. So we're going to be moving into a slower growth with a little bit level of inflation. So I would say hold on right now, okay? And then after the market recovers a little bit, then you want to take a look at the rebalance into a new economy going forward. And if you like, Gary, I'd be happy to have one of our, one of our advisors take a look at your current lineup and then maybe give you some suggestions and thoughts on today as well as, you know, maybe in the springtime next year if you feel, if you feel the need, okay? Would yeah. you like to do that? Okay. okay. Uh, I'm, uh, I have one other question. I have a couple of CDs come and do, and uh, I'm wondering if you would uh, recommend I-bonds. Right now they're at 9.68%. So for a, a CD, if you, if, you plan on, if you plan on keeping the monies in CDs, then, yeah, I, I would take a look at, at I-bonds at this point. But I-bonds traditionally are not going to outpace the, the, the markets because every time that they renew, every November and May, you're going to be getting a lower rate because once inflation starts to drop. So if you're comparing it against the CD, then, yeah, it would not be a bad scenario. you got to go directly to the Treasury on that. 
Gary, I'm going to put you on hold here. I've got music in my ears, so i got to close out the show. I'm going to put you on hold. Bob will get your contact information. We'll have one of our advisors reach out to you next week and maybe set up a phone call with you to take a look at your, your, your holdings and give you a game plan going forward. So I appreciate the phone call, and, and thank you for your work heading down to Florida as well. You listen to Making Money Sense. We've got some people on the lines. I'm going to stay in studio after the show ends here in just a few seconds. Uh, so you can follow us. We'll stay on on YouTube at LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube. That's LarryRosenthal.tv. So for Bob in the back and Chris McKay, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. And again, our thoughts and prayers uh, go out to everyone who's been affected by this hurricane. So we'll be back next Saturday with another session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense.